and welcome to Flip the Switch, the podcast dedicated to the multifaceted and multi-talented. Today, I'm joined by Niche, a career coach, and I'm actually so buzzing to talk to you because I feel like we've never met before, but we know each other. Yeah, I was almost certain that we'd met before until today. I was like, oh yeah, we've had so many interactions. We've had a bit of a virtual connection, haven't we? We've had a virtual connection. (laughs) So it's nice to be here in the flesh. It's nice to be here because I think the the actual like time we had a coffee, like a virtual coffee, you were about to embark on your kind of... Oh my gosh. Was it your career coach journey, right? I didn't, I didn't even think I knew, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach, but I didn't know like what kind of coach and you gave me such good advice. Did I remember, I? yeah, this is back in, the, this is like three years ago. Big lockdown, I yes. Yeah. And I guess that's where I kind of want to begin Okay. with the kind of journey from you. I think let's start there. Let's start. Why did you become a career coach? Was there something that you wanted to help people? Did you want to give back and support others? Like where did it kind of come from? So there are two, I would say two main reasons why I wanted to be a career coach. The first was I've had multiple career transitions. So I've worked across banking and finance. I've worked at Full Great Ormond Street in philanthropy. So I used to be a fundraiser there. And then in between those roles, I've done like the whole like traveling, mm-hmm. going to Australia and working abroad. Finding yourself. All of that. Yeah, all the cliche <laughs> like finding yourself trips. And so I think when I came back to London, you know, everyone was like, you have to have X amount of experience to go into this sector. And I was I was actually able to transition into new industries with, without having that relevant experience, mm-hmm. but really leveraging other skills that I had. I've always wanted to be an advocate as someone who who can empower you to do your own career transition, mm. right? Anything's kind of possible to, to a certain extent. So that was the first reason. And then the second reason was because I felt like there were no women of color who were coaches. Even when I was trying to find a coach for myself, I was like, there are no brown girl coach, coaches. It was, it was really mm. difficult for me to find someone that was relatable. And so when I like Googled coaches, everything was very like live laugh love very middle class just like quotes on every website it is it's so it's quite cringy it's so (laughs) cringe and then I was like I thought it was a gap in the market I was like if I wanted to be a coach I I want my brand and my website to be like bold and in your face and I want to be like proud that I'm Mauritian and from southeast Mm. London and, and I really wanted to yeah, just exemplify that. So th- those two main reasons, I think, combined, uh, really pushed me down the the career coach path. I feel like you can really see that in your <clears throat> brand as well. Oh, like just you. like hearing you speak as well, like yeah. in your workshops and everything that you've created. Yeah. Like you've got like a personality. Oh, thank and it, you. Do you know like when it goes away <clears throat> from the crowd? Like yeah. there are, there. I find that like it can be quite serious and in a certain direction. Mm. Like yours feels really fresh and That's kind really- of like exciting. <laughs> Thank you. I was actually really lucky because when I was working at Great Ormond Street mm. and lockdown happened, one of my really good friends worked in design. <clears throat> and so oh. over lockdown, we did a Skillshare. So I coached her and she said she'd help me with my brand. So I basically had like a coaching session with her where she was like, how do you want people to feel? Like, what do you want to represent? So I think having someone know me, create my brand for me is like 
such a luxury when I got it for free as well because we did a Skillshare so um I always shout out to her and like say to her like if it wasn't for you my because loads of people say that but like your brand is so you and Mm -hmm. I'm like it's because my friend did it so I'm really really lucky I, I got someone to like get in my head and create that for me and so that's why I've never kind of rebranded because it would because you never needed to anyway because I guess like that same, is yeah. lovely that and that's a good hack for people yeah that, skillshares skillshare like yeah. swap with your friends that are doing design or videography videography photography yeah. whatever because like yeah you can get some like high res like portraits that you need yeah. while you can like provide them with a service yeah and for free right it's a good way 100 percent. i would advise though if you are a coach not to coach your friends oh yeah <laughs> because of course. when i because i did it right at the beginning it was actually really good for my training but then over time it's really funny because you obviously there's so many blurred lines, quite a lot of blurred lines. and <laughs> as a coach you can't give like biased um you can't give like any bias feedback mm. if you know someone you, you'll always have some kind of unconscious bias so now like I would I could never um so just like a tip so like with limits <laughs> yeah, with limits with, career with limits. limits basically yeah, exactly you don't want to be your friend's therapist <laughs> <laughs> whereas sometimes you do feel like that over a glass of wine anyway exactly. but yeah keep it like professional basically exactly. which I really like yeah I guess for you and your journey like you touch a little bit like you're in the finance world yeah have you felt pressure like mm-hmm. ever from it might be society, it might be from parents, it might just be like culture in general um, about going into a certain path of career. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I've certainly can relate to that. And like, I felt like I had to go a certain way just because I felt like this kind of invisible pressure Mm. that I had to kind of go down a traditional route of law. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but did it kind of influence you in any way? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's funny that you say invisible pressure because I think that's the perfect way of describing it. So growing up, my parents would never be like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. That was never a narrative in my household. However, there was an expectation in my ha- household that you'd be academic, even though those words were not said. Yeah. So that's quite interesting to think about how a tone and just culture mm-hmm. uh, can influence your decisions. And so I have an older brother. And so my older brother was straight A student and studied economics. So I had to be a straight A student and study economics. <laughs> it was just, it wasn't even a thought. And and it was really interesting, actually, because I'm really creative and I wanted to do GCSE art. Okay, and that yeah. was the one thing, not even my mum and dad, my brother was like, you, you can't do GCSE art. Like, oh, what did you do instead? Double science. Oh no, that is I sad. Science. <laughs> I was like, that's just like a memory that I'll never, that'll never leave with me. So I've always been really academic. And so I did economics at uni, which was like, okay. Yeah. I was never that interested in it, but uh, I did it because I thought I had to. Mm. And then the first six years of my career was in banking and finance. So my oh. first job was at Bank of America. Okay. I worked there for three years. And that was when pre-mental health awareness, pre-like, you know, race equity, all of that stuff. It was brutal. I, I, my first three years is when there was the Goldman Sachs intern who committed suicide. Oh wow! Because of being overworked and like all that kind of stuff, and it was, it was like a rough. I wouldn't say a rough years. It was all of really strong learning experience and, and formative years for me. But I think when I look back, yeah, was that my passion? Did I want to do it? Mm. No. However, has it opened loads of doors for me and given me confidence and resilience in the workplace? A hundred percent. Your first experience of a job, was it kind of 
toxic, would you say, in a way that, in a way, because I find when you have a toxic experience or an experience that isn't necessarily all positive, yeah. it helps you learn what you do yeah. want in the next kind of role. And like, it certainly helped me pivot into mm. what I wanted to do by realizing I don't want to work in that space and yeah. in that industry. Yeah. Like I experienced the film and TV industry and I was like, I don't know if that's for me yeah. because of the late hours and like the way people at the bottom are treated. Yeah. And it's like, when you know that you're like, well, this is not okay. But I guess you, it was a time as well where, yeah, mental health wasn't talked about in workplace. Yeah, or even toxicity. So mm. yeah, now on reflection, hundred, I wouldn't frame the whole experience as toxic, but mm. yes, I worked for it extremely toxic people mm. and I think the expectations of working 12 hour days and what things that were said about women and just people of color was so normalized um so yeah on reflection it was to toxic moments um that yeah I would I would never go back to yeah for sure you've positioned yourself now as a career coach yeah are you for women or like women of color in general like what's your audience who are you helping would you say that's a really good question so when I was creating lots of content my ideal client would be someone like us right? okay I was speaking to a brown girl mm. but that didn't necessarily meant that I wouldn't coach you if you were not yeah. I just knew that if I really pin down on like brown girl problems mm. and like corporate problems and all that kind of stuff it would you know other people would also gravitate towards me so mm. I, I think if you have a really strong message and market segmentation you're always going to attract other people right so on the face of it um might look like that but actually I coach millennial women going yep. through a career transition but then at LSE, I'm a career consultant as well. Mm -hmm. But that's for any students. Okay. So, yeah, any any year, any degree, um, I, I coach. Well, I don't coach. I consult 80 students a month oh, wow. at LSE. Yeah, so they're <laughs> Not a lot then. <laughs> yeah, it is insane. It's it's really broadened my coaching experience mm. because in my sessions, they're, they're an hour long. It's a long-term relationship that I'll create with you. But at LSE, it's 20 minutes. So it's very transactional. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how am I going to help someone in 20 minutes? That's <laughs> that's impossible. And it's it's so interesting because when you start doing it, you actually just learn how to be like really direct, understand mm -hmm. like what we're we trying to solve in this session. And yeah, you just get shit done. <laughs> I love that because you must learn, yeah, to be yeah. more efficient and like get to the root of the problem yeah. Like, yeah. quite quickly. I wanted to know from you, like in general, like I don't know if you're finding like a running theme with mm -hmm. the people that you coach and like the challenges. Yeah. Is there like a common challenge that people are in general facing yeah. um, when it comes to career? Yeah. So I'll split it into macro challenges and micro challenges. That's my economics. <laughs> that is serious <laughs> I economics. Didn't, I didn't even there. plan to say that. <laughs> that was so natural. That's so Like icky. market forces yeah. and everything. Okay. I'm loving this. So macro, there was a great resignation post-COVID, everyone's looking for a job, cost of living crisis. So that combined means a very highly competitive market. Tech layoffs means that if you want to look to transition to tech, you're up against like whatever percentage of people who have just been laid off. So you're not going to win against those people. So mm -hmm. the biggest challenge um, in that respect as being in a pool of hundreds of people. So I don't know if you've noticed, if you look for a job on LinkedIn, it'll tell you how many people have applied. Yeah. And now you'll see like, if there's a 
job at like Google or something, mm. it would be over a thousand people have applied wow. to this. Yeah, so and it would be like three hours. Yeah, or something. <laughs> exactly. So I would say that's the biggest challenge in context of like what we've gone through uh, as a society. Mm. Um, but then I would say individual problems are looking for f- fulfillment. Um, okay. Yeah. So a lot of my a lot of people that I work with will try to transition out of the corporate sector. But then because they've had a bad experience, this this term fulfillment is almost glorified to the extent that my, your job has to be like your purpose. And I think having such a big pressure of that can be quite overwhelming. I, I don't think your job has to be it, right? You, there are multiple sure. things you can have in your life that will make you feel fulfilled. But I think if you have had a bad work experience Mm -hmm. you just have pure escapism um so that level of fulfillment you know younger people are more uh in tune with their values and um doing things a little bit for social impact and social justice and we're less concerned now about money so there's definitely a change or a difference in challenges between generations. Mm. And I've definitely noticed that from my 20s to my 30s as well. Um, but I would say those are the most common ones and, and just fundamentally feeling stuck at work. Like not being able to move forward. Not being able to move forward or not learning an, enough. Mm. Um, toxic bosses now. Mm. I, I don't know if you've come across this, but in a few places I've worked, lots of, like anyone can be a manager now. Like not mm. not many people have... Uh, training or go on courses so sometimes you'll get I really don't want to sound ageist but Mm. you can maybe have some people who don't have as much experience in the working world or maybe come from like a hybrid or you know COVID styles of working now managing teams of five six people across Mm. you know different levels of expertise and uh, I'd say the the communication styles and the ways of, you know, working with different people. It's just all a bit, it's all just so mishmash now. Yeah, so it actually makes it way more difficult. Yeah, Because then it's like a one-size-fits-all versus a, like, tailored approach to managing. And, yeah, I mean, I work completely remote, so I can feel it when you're not in the room with someone and something that I've noticed for sure. Um, But one thing I did want to touch upon, you you said about fulfillment and Mm -hmm. purpose. Yeah. I think we're all figuring it out aren't we like trying to understand where that is and yeah you're so right that we like entwine our career yeah with having this need of fulfillment and drive and you look to others don't you of like yeah. people so like that are leaving living the like linkedin dream of mm. their you know winning awards all the time and speaking and whatever it is and they're doing so well yeah do you see a lot of that like imposter syndrome and like looking to the left and right for the people that you coach and like how do they overcome and like find that eventual mm. purpose like in yeah. their career? Or is it that they should be just finding a balance of life and work and play? Yeah, uh, I think the grass is always greener for everyone. So you'll, you'll experience this being an entrepreneur mm. um, and having all that freedom. And I'm sure someone in a nine to five will look at you and think, you know, like you have it, not you have it easy, but yeah. you have it and I want that. And then you become an entrepreneur and you realise you have to work 24 hours a day. (laughs) And it's really, really stressful. It's not like the glamorous life that people think it is, do they? Exactly. So I'll have lots of people who really want to do their own thing. I just want to work for myself. And I'm like, from my experience, it's obviously amazing, but it's 
so stressful. I don't think I've ever been more stressed in my life than yeah. when I was self-employed. Um, in comparison to having the security uh, of a job, right? Yeah, yeah. So in terms of finding fulfillment, I think it's different for everyone. And I think the most important thing is to find it, like you said, as a balance in multiple things in your life. Mm. So typically when I start with the client, my task for them for the first two weeks is not to look for jobs like no oh, wow. job looking no LinkedIn first two weeks find something that makes you feel good mm. that could be sports that could be something new that could be spending time with your kids and just do that for two weeks and you know like find happiness and peace and other things and then when you'll have that good energy then start thinking about a job but mm. if you're if you're going to work with me you're clearly in a crisis at work I wouldn't want you to start looking for a job when you're in that mindset because again you'll just look for an escape route right so it's okay. about you know finding those pockets in your life and looking at everything as a whole as opposed to giving a job that much power yeah. is actually quite dangerous, really. You know, we have to set our own boundaries. So yeah, to answer your question in short, I feel like fulfillment should be found in multiple things. And mm. it's it, and it's okay if your job isn't fulfilling. Like yeah. one of my friends is an accountant and she loves it. Mm-hmm. Pays the bills, she makes great money, she can go on loads of holidays. Like does she love spreadsheets well she probably does but you know I'm sure these spreadsheets are not giving her fulfillment for sure but it's okay that that job serves a purpose for you mm-hmm. and that could be financial reasons you yeah. know so I think a lot of people also feel bad if they do just have a co- corporate job or if they do just have a job that can look after their families there's nothing wrong in that I mean yeah. I've definitely done the transition from I was self-employed and then I got mm. a job at LSE because I was like I actually do want to buy a house and I do want to plan my holidays and I don't want everything up in the air all the yeah, time. Yeah, and, that, and that's totally fine, right? Yeah. I think like there's pressure of like having a side hustle. Yes. Like, and, and being this person that does everything and you yeah. don't need to do that. Like I admire the people that actually love, like they finish at five yeah. and then they can go to the gym, they can have an evening and like they finish at five. Whereas yeah, yeah if you're an entrepreneur, you finish at five, but yeah. you do not finish at five, yeah, do you? Exactly. Like it just continues and like you're constantly thinking about it um, and you never kind of switch off. Mm. So it's like, I just think it's something for everyone, isn't it? It's like, as long as yeah. you find fulfillment in the thing that you're doing. Yeah. But like sometimes it's easy to look at other people and what they're doing mm-hmm. and want to do what they're doing. And you're right. The grass is always greener is always and there's always going to be someone ahead of you yes. as well. And like social media can be so dangerous because we like trivialize it in a way that it's easier than it is. You don't necessarily talk about the difficult stuff as much. It is kind of a bit more shiny and polished. Yeah. And like, yeah, even this podcast starting it, it was so hard, but (laughs) like, you'll just see the launch video, like, yeah, done it kind of thing. (laughs) We know what we're not on. (laughs) But we know how hard it was and the stress that I went through. Like, so it's like sometimes, yeah, it feels a bit more glamorous and exciting um when in reality yeah like it's it's not what it it's not what it seems Mm -hmm. nothing is what it seems yeah (laughs) instagram will give you a very polished view i think it's different between instagram and tiktok now i'm finding now that i use both but instagram is definitely like the finished result Mm. and i think tiktok now is a little bit more real if you want to hit you know people more comfortable speaking about their struggles and Mm. vulnerabilities and you know you don't have to like curate something maybe uh that's from my experience in comparison to Instagram. I was like, sure. if, if you're feeling like that, just delete it for a few months. Yeah. Every, all, uh, 
everyone needs a break from social media. I think it's it's quite, I don't know, it feels very overpowering mm. at being on your phone and so accessible to you at all times. So I always say to people as well, like if you're feeling a certain kind of way online, just delete it for a bit, not forever, just, mm. just for a bit and mm. like read a book on the train. Yeah, and because otherwise <laughs> yeah. you get so used to being plugged in, don't you, yeah. to like media and in general like consuming yeah. and actually yeah take a step back enjoy take a break I think is a really great piece of advice when it comes to advice a lot of the people that will be listening a lot of people that we interview on this podcast are people that are going for their goals at once yeah and that could be potentially dangerous because when you're saying you're going for everything like there's risk of like burnout and like juggling and yeah. balancing and looking after yourself like did you ever hear, hear of this term multi-hyphenate and mm -hmm. building out of like portfolio careers that we're seeing so many young people do now? Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Like um, you are growing as well, your skills I know yeah. and evolving your career journey. Like you're building a portfolio yeah. yourself. So I just love to hear your general thoughts about it. You definitely introduced me to it. <laughs> I think I saw you talk about it on TikTok ages ago. Oh, okay, It might be like, I'd, maybe a year ago. Yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone speak about it. And I can relate so much mm. because I do multiple things. So I feel like social media can put you in a in a bracket if you... So obviously I'm a career coach. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm trying to career transition, I really want to move into ed tech. So mm. education technology. And that's really difficult because I've been in higher education, I'm a career coach, and I feel like I've, I've almost put myself in a box slightly. Yeah. Um, and not to say that it's impossible to do multiple things, it just can be a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So, you know, if someone's worked in tech for six years and they want to get another tech job, it's pretty straightforward for them. However, mm. if you worked over four sectors, have multiple experience, you can still do it it's just probably a little bit harder but I love the idea I have my, I want to see if I say it right multi-hyphen multi-hyphen <laughs> multi I was like if I say it wrong I love the <laughs> idea of being a multi-hyphener um especially as a woman I think we are capable mm -hmm. of doing so much and yes that can lead to burnout I've 100% experienced that from doing too much but I like the idea that before I settle and have kids and yeah. all that kind of stuff, I can, you know, find this level of expertise in public speaking and career coaching, um, hopefully now in an ed tech role and be able to have the flexibility, I think, when I'm older yeah. to dip in and out of those things. Mm. So I think if you're someone who's extremely financially driven, you might be more risk averse to it because you want to climb the ladder there's nothing wrong in that maybe you want to buy the house or you have something to save for and you want to go in that tra trajectory and that's absolutely yeah. fine I think if being creative and upskilling and reskilling yourself might be more suited to let's say a type b kind of person yeah yeah then I think that multi-hyphenate role would work great for that person because then over time, you know, you're still building up the experience. It might just not be as accelerated as someone who's just doing one thing. So yeah. it, it really depends what's important to you. 
But when you asked me to come today, and this was the theme, I I was like, I'm so happy you consider me as a yeah. multi hybrid because, <laughs> and I didn't realize that I I spoke about Muay Thai in um, you did in the workshop we did together. So the reason why I was going to mention it today as well is because I was so obsessed with my career and being mm. a career coach, and I identify so strongly with that that all my goals and success was in this one thing mm-hmm. and for years I've put off going to Thailand and training in a Muay Thai camp it's been like on my goals list no joke I'd say for six years it just wow. carries on every and it's so unlike <laughs> me because I, I'm like kind of like I'll just do it yeah yeah and so I went to Spain. I was on. Um, I was in Spain on holiday. And you know, sometimes when you're abroad, or like on the plane, you just have like I have these realizations. <laughs> yeah, like, a moment of realization. Yeah, everything. I was like, this is something that I need to do. Otherwise, I'm never gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of realized that that was the goal that I need to achieve. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get a new job and like career transition, or whatever. It's gonna happen for me at some point. Mm. But I felt like there was something telling me, like, actually, this is what you need to do first finally tick that off your list um and and I want to post about it as well so no it's not many people see like yeah the, the other fighter, side of you fighter side of me I've been training for two years I fought competitively like yeah. it's one of the like best things I've ever done oh my god! and gosh. I never really speak about it or no one really knows that so no because I, I would never have known if it wasn't for, for the work for the workshop yeah. yeah so I think I feel like it's another thing that I would love to encourage girls to do because mm. you know the word fighter or aggressive it's like you know we, we don't want to associate ourselves with yeah. those things but the reason why I love it so much is because you can sweat and grunt yeah. and punch and kick and it's sport <laughs> and also yeah just so far removed from everything else yeah. that I do so I guess it's another component of being a multi-hyphenate that I haven't I haven't really explored in a long time yeah. so it's just like another one so it's like yeah it's like a form yeah. of release for you but yes. now actually it's it's you yeah and this is the thing like we feel like we have to hide things and like upplay and downplay yeah like parts of our lives especially like you're branded yourself as a career coach yeah. and then you're the career coach like yeah. you're not the person that does 50 other things because then it won't sell in a yes. way but yeah. actually like I think it just makes you more human that you're like yeah. I love this and like when you explained that story of like how much you love Muay Thai in general yeah um in the workshop that you that I was listening and watching like it just made me connect with you more oh wow that's so, so nice I think it is to important hear. to talk about like yeah. what we love yeah and I know it's so wildly different yeah but I kind of love that yeah no thanks for saying that also like having the identity as a career coach like if I really deep it it's so weird like yeah. career coach is such a random thing I never <laughs> ever in my life thought yeah. I'd be a career coach and I remember once I was with my friends and someone was like didn't want to talk about their job someone was like oh like I don't want to say anything in front of you oh okay and I was like I'm not going to tell you about your job or I'm not give you. Coach you right I'm not going to coach I'm off the you. Clock. But yeah, exactly. Like that is the last thing I want to do. But yeah. it's so interesting that certain people, because they associate me so strongly with careers, would actually think that they can't speak. They about can't it. talk about that. Oh, no, she's going to say something. Like, oh my gosh. it'd be like a doctor, and like, oh, you know, you can't say anything because the doctor. Is, it yeah, of does, course. It does it kind of doesn't yeah. make sense, right? So yeah, I'm also detaching from this identity personal brand that I have because mm. yeah I, I'm I'm not just a career coach I think that's really important because we need yeah. to be fluid and in, in yes. our career and like you've grown as well like in the past three years even like you've learned yeah. so much 
about who like your coaching, even like your audience has mm. changed students as well as women, like driven millennials. Yeah. It's all like your kind of evolving journey. What have you learned anything about standing out? Because it's so difficult in a saturated market to kind yeah. of stand out. And like one thing that I've learned is actually I love being like a social impact investor and entrepreneur by day and then a dance DJ by night. Like I like yeah. doing both. Um, and that's the only way I find standing out is because it's like unique in itself. And it like being a real life Hannah Montana is fun. And it's just yeah. like, you can do like really opposite things. And like, I've yeah. kind of made that part of my brand. Like, how have you found it? Like building yeah. a brand and like learning to be different, but also yourself? Yeah. When I first started coaching, I didn't follow any coaches online. So I didn't want to be influenced by anyone's mm. ideas or brand or content. And I really wanted to be as authentic as possible. So yeah. I would say almost filtering the noise around you and like honing in into your authenticity. So what are the things that are really important for me? And I think for me, it was like being raw, being almost a little bit rebellious and unconventional with my content. I was like, what's the thing that's going to be, what What do people not really think about with careers? And it's like rebellious is never really a oh, word yeah, you put sure. together. So almost like mix matching two different things. Um, I think the first video I ever posted on Instagram was a practice run. So I'd, I'd never filmed myself before, right? So I used to live in this estate in South like years ago when I was renting. And I was just walking around the estate, like yeah. filming myself speaking. <laughs> and like my hair's in a bar and I have like really bad hay fever. Like I'm pretty sure there's like a toothpaste stain on my jumper. <laughs> And then afterwards, I was like, you know what, fuck it. I think I'm just going to post this yeah, one because yeah. I want to be authentic and this is who I am. Mm. And I always uh, use it as an example when I'll do like talks or workshops like, guys, this is my first video. Like you have to yeah. start somewhere. So I think the level of realness in that because no one wants to post a video of them. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it for how I look. I'm yeah. doing it with what I'm saying. So, yeah, I think authenticity, I know it sounds very cliche and everyone will say that, but maybe then it's just asking yourself, what are the most important things to me? Uh, I think will always shine through. And then the last thing I would say is going over and beyond. So I'm not a fan of quiet quitting. I really, really am against that. I think, why would you want to give something 50%? That's not really the energy yeah, yeah. that like I would advise anyone to operate on because you're just going to attract the same back, right? So for me, it's going over and beyond. Like, what can I do that no one has ever done before? Mm -hmm. How can I just take this to the next level? Yeah. So when I first started coaching, my boyfriend, who was also an entrepreneur at the time, he was like, what would you do if you were like a million dollar coach? I was like, that's ridiculous. But he's like, no, like, let's start just thinking big. And he's really into VR. So he was like, one of your sessions could be a VR session mm -hmm. where like a client can like envisage or like picture, uh, do like a vision board in VR. And I was like, I never did it. But just thinking, thinking about things bigger, mm -hmm. um, I think, again, it like expands your horizons. And it's something not a lot of people do. People will just do what makes them comfortable, what other people yeah, are doing. Sure. So if you like really, I, I call it, I think it's called times 100 thinking like as big as possible let's say you had like unlimited budget mm -hmm. uh, there were no rules like how big could you go and then try to find something with that so in my case it was the VR thing but yeah depending on what, kind of what job you do 
what's like the most outrageous thing you can do and try to get a pocket of that okay and then go in that direction yeah yeah. is that help with goal setting then or like figuring out where you want to go a little bit yeah so there's a um like a coaching technique people call them uh I don't even know because I never use it it's like a framework for setting goals and like I never do it oh smart goals oh yeah yeah you know smart goals Mm -hmm. and I'm like I never do smart goals because it's like I feel like it can keep you in a box you can do it for certain things I do agree but like if I've got a new client and they're excited and they want to make sure I'm like okay like let's think big first and you know get comfortable that you're going to do something that scares you Mm -hmm. and feels like bigger than what you could ever do and that's what I did for myself when I started I literally in my book was like I'm going to work with Google I'm going to work with ASOS I'm going to work with all these and in three years like I've worked with all those companies which is wild to me that but it's because I set my vision so big that like all the little stuff was just normal and I wasn't going to stop till I met those goals so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of big things. So then, do you want to take us through then? Like, how do you, like, get a goal, like, take a goal and then, like, break it down into something manageable? Like, something like Google and ASOS. Like, they're huge things. Yeah. And, like, sometimes it would be hard for someone to, like, turn that into something manageable, even. But, like, yeah. someone listening who, like, has this massive goal that yeah. they want to, you know, perform at a festival or whatever it is, or I, I don't know. Um, like get to a certain place in their career yeah like where do they even start because you know like overwhelm and self-doubt can sometimes come in as well so everyone knows the um breaking down your goals into small steps right so I'm I'm not going to say that because everyone knows how to do that so what's the smallest thing you can do every day I think a more fun and interesting one is something I learned with a previous coach and she called it taking aligned action So you basically align yourself to what your goal is. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, okay, I want to work with Google. So how do I act or how do I, you know, what do I do in my day to already make me feel like I've got Google and and, and I work for them? And that sounds, I don't know if it sounds really silly saying it out loud, but it would be like really minor things like how I dress or maybe making more of an effort Mm -hmm. on a call or um, just just like doing the most, you know, operating 100% well, like I am that person already and acting like it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those results don't happen immediately. But I think if you take that approach every day, Mm -hmm. um, then fundamentally you are already acting like you've got it. So you're kind of like, I, I sound like quite spiritual, but I do very yeah. much believe in, in, you know, attracting that energy. Um, yeah, you kind of balance yourself out with that massive goal. And I think it's it really so true because you step into your future self, don't you? There you, you? go, yeah. There's like this meditation that a group of us did where you like meet your future self. Yeah. And like align with it and like how how can you step into that person and become that person like today? Yes. And it is actually really important because actually to achieve our goals, we need to become that person and step into that life to then attract that life and like keep believing it. And like, do you know, like this Delulu energy that you see on kind of TikTok? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is kind of true though. Yeah. Oh, what's the what was the TikTok trend that it was like, I'm so great, I'm so lucky that everything always works out for me. Have oh, you sure I've seen that? You need to it blew my mind. It was like this affirmation that this mm-hmm, girl says, mm-hmm. like, she's like, I'm so lucky everything works out for me. And she said it every day, and like just these wild things were happening oh to her. Gosh. And then it went viral on TikTok and everyone wow. was posting 
their TikToks of like, I've said this and this is what's happened today. So that's it, the kind of energy we want yeah, to like welcome in. Like yeah. that's the kind of trend we want to see. Yeah. Like I have everything that I need and mm. you know, like more is coming kind of thing. Like not, not from a greed kind of way, but more like a, a grateful that yeah, like, it's like abundance. Yes. Of, yeah, of, yeah. And always, yeah. You always have to go back to gratefulness, don't you? Exactly. Do you do anything like journaling or like, do you have any boundaries and like, what have you created and carved in kind of your everyday life to like, be good with goal setting so every I don't journal every day I journal just really when I feel like it more yeah. like a self-therapy kind of thing like okay. if I feel like I need to get stuff out or yeah just every so often I started it when I went traveling so okay. when I went traveling yeah. years ago when you travel alone obviously some days can get lonely but I also just wanted to have like all my travel stories like not just <laughs> like written down yeah like written down and in my head I was like this is something I'd give to my grandkids Aww, and they'll be lovely. like she was really cool yeah. so that's kind of how it started so yeah I think that's helps me become really self-aware and also understand I mean I, I don't check in with my goals I'm not yeah, I like set yeah. my goals like once a year mm-hmm. and you know kind of take action but what I make my boyfriend do to, yeah. together with me, I say every night before we go to sleep, we do three things we're grateful for. Amazing. But the rule is you have to do one thing about yourself, mm-hmm. one thing about the world mm-hmm. and someone you're grateful for. And if he doesn't say me, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> every night, you're like, yeah. you still haven't picked me and it's been yeah. 500 days. Yeah, I'm like, that's the only pillow talk I get. But it's a yeah. really nice ritual we do every oh, night. That. And I just feel like... Yeah, well, you know, if you if you if you don't have that faith or you don't want to pray or that yeah. seems a bit, you know, foreign to you, then just doing gratitude is like relevant and yeah, I think it just it's like manageable as well, isn't it? Yeah, like it takes what thirty seconds. Hundred percent. And you know, sometimes you're having a rubbish day and then you think, you know what, it's not actually that bad. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Well, thank you so much. Like this has flown by. I don't know if there's any like final advice you have for someone listening that is like trying to embark on a, like being a multi-hyphenate and doesn't know where to start. I don't know if there's any like final leaving advice before we say goodbye. <laughs> Wait, let me think. I would say my biggest advice is to start something and be okay with it not being perfect. So just get something out there. If you want to be an artist or creative or a coach, just do one small action mm. and you you want it to be a bit messy so then you can look back at it like the video that I had and you know have that growth yeah yeah I think perfect, I love that yeah. progress over perfection 100 that's what this podcast is honestly it's like one percent better every time yeah. like you've got to start somewhere yeah it took me like two years to even start this because it was in an idea in my head mm. and I was like I'm holding myself back like yeah. do you know when you're self-sabotaging just by yeah letting it live in your head not in the world so I feel that one. <laughs> I yeah. need to take my that advice so much. Yeah. Um, but where can we find you on socials and everything? So I'm on Instagram as niche.career.coach. I'm not going to lie. I have not, I don't post as regularly yeah. as I used to because, you know, content. Life. As you know, <laughs> it takes time. But I'm always... Um, I'm always available to chat to someone if they want to DM me, ask me any questions and on my LinkedIn as well and TikTok too. So basically, if you're on my Instagram, (laughs) you'll see all my other socials too. Love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. (laughs)